I am unashamed. What about you? So welcome back to Unashamed. And um, we've talked about this before. We record a couple of podcasts in one setting. So to the listener, you're listening. There's a day maybe in between. Uh, but we're doing it right here one after the other. And so we just had Joe Beam uh, on our podcast talking about spiritual warfare and specifically the story in Luke chapter 8 about the demoniac that Jesus cast all the demons out of. And all I can say is, wow, <laughs> my, my mind is still, I'm somewhere in between reeling and, you know, man, there was just so much more I wanted to talk about. We couldn't deal with it all. Well, I really, after we finished that, I, I was just talking to him off air and was like, look, I really believe God chose you to be a lightning rod for all our questions on this. And uh, I, I, he seemed humble. And because a lot of, uh, you know, the, these issues that you come across, there's really no answers definite. And uh, because it's just what people theorize. And, and all you got to do is go read what all the scholars say about Luke 8 this whole section and you're not going to find agreement on all the issues, which is, uh, which is why I wore this shirt today. Uh, I was like, my wife's coming home and we're going to talk about demon possession. So I need to break out the, I could be wrong shirt. <laughs> and Phil is at so, it on the back, but I doubt it. <laughs> no, but I mean, it was hard to limit the questions to him to a handful of questions because there's a lot, even in this section, he, he mainly gave an overview. And so a couple of questions I asked him was one, you know, in the middle of Luke eight and just to kind of review what we read, I mean, Jesus is going along explaining the kingdom of God and multiple times it says he's driving out evil spirits and, casting out demons and even in the next couple chapters he's going to give that ability to you know his apostles and they come in and they were the euphoria over having that ability you know in Luke 10 it caused excitement yeah and uh they're like you know lord even the demons submit to us that's in 10:17 of Luke and then Jesus gives this famous reply like, well, look, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample over poisonous snakes and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Yep. And so I really found that fascinating that he has all this knowledge on this, but the bottom line is, you know, Luke is, is doing this investigation and revealing this to reveal who has the power over this. And in the overtime, I made that illustration that Jesus, just a couple years later from this, becomes this man if you walk by. Yeah. You know, they stripped him naked, they tortured him, they bound him, and... They crucified him on a cross, and he was led to the tombs. And Jesus did that to as the ultimate victory and triumph over evil. Yep. And so here he's showing that he has this power, because it was very comforting to me that when he said go, and you can read all three accounts of the demon-possessed guy in the tombs. In Matthews, there's two guys. But... You, you just realize who has the power here. Jesus is the only person that's ever been on the planet in any manuscript that didn't have to appeal to a higher power. And we've, we're all familiar with exorcisms. And whether you believe this is going on or not, everyone else is having to go get a power to assist them to exorcise a demon. But right. Jesus said, go. Kind of like he did with the storm. Peace. And it... So the this leads for us to not miss the point that that Jesus is the Son of God. He is who He said He is. Yeah, and now and, and Joe makes a point about um, the name of Jesus when he's talking about how we deal with this these interactions, uh, which are rare, um, I think, when it comes to demon possession. But he told the story that I've told before from Acts nineteen 
about these Jewish exorcists, the sons of Sceva, that had tried to invoke the name of Jesus, but the the uh, the demons were a little too wily for that. And they said, well, we've heard of Jesus and we've heard of Paul, but we never heard of you. And then they yeah. they didn't, not, not only did they not leave the person, but they didn't beat the fire out of them when they all ran out naked and bleeding. So he was making it's, the it's point. It's showing time after time what the Hebrew writer said, he too shared in their humanity, to Jesus' point, we went through all that misery so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Right. You yeah. know, I mean, it's, I mean, it's life and death hanging on, on Jesus showing up to battle these demons. Right. <laughs> yeah. Start there. Right. And I had a couple other theories that I wanted to talk about. I, mean, I do have my I could be wrong shirt on, but I think one thing that when I was studying this that Jesus was showing is that even John the Baptist in the previous chapter and his family, they were they were struggling with the narrative of who Jesus is, the king and the kind of kingdom he was bringing. You know, when he was talking about blessed are you when you're weak and poor and everyone, I think, from a Jewish perspective, they were looking for the king to crush the other kingdoms. Yep. When are we taking on Rome? And well, if you look at the details of this story, he goes kind of outside the Jewish realm here in this because we have a bunch of pigs. Well, in the well, that tells in, you right there they're not in Jewish territory. <laughs> Either they're not, or you know, when I read all these scholars, or someone is is selling these pigs to the Gentiles, right. or which would technically be not kosher with with the law. Right. But I mean, who has two thousand pigs over there? I was over there. You know, I didn't see a pig anywhere <laughs> because it's yeah. it's a not. It was it's considered really an unclean pork, animal, right. and some of them to this day wouldn't you know wouldn't eat a pork chop right. or or even have a pig. So, and my point is that instead of, you know, him going out the region and killing a Roman as a, as a sign that he's fixed to overthrow that regime, I think Jesus does something. That's the last thing that you're expecting is he redeems a Gentile in front of them. And, and so I, I think what, what I've, I'm getting at is we got to be careful. A lot of times people throw evil around into groups of people where Jesus is bringing up this idea that everybody went into controversy about that there is there are spiritual forces of evil out there. Yep. And, and you know, with us, all we can do is love the person and, and hate the evil, but to... You can never just take whole groups of people and all of a sudden cast them off as evil and we need to go kill them. And, you know, our weapon, the best weapon we have, and you can you can reference that passage in uh, Corinthians where he said the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. And I realize that wars happen, you know, to end oppression, and I'm not really saying that. I'm just saying the best weapon we have is this guy who has the power to fix this guy. Because if you saw this guy and you believe this story is true and he's has supernatural strength, superhuman strength because of these demons and no one can, can you know, can bind him and, and control him. And Jesus in essence transforms him into a normal being by having this happen. Well, Jesus is the greatest weapon ever. Right. He can change the worst of the worst, the evil of the evil. And so I said all that to say, I think their picture of Jesus was Rome is oppressing us. Let's destroy all the Roman you know, soldiers. Because he had just had this other instance with the centurion just a couple chapters back. He's trying to send them a message that what you think I'm going to do is not what I'm going to do. And I don't know this because the text doesn't tell us, but I'm, I've am i always assumed, and I'm just guessing because, again, it doesn't tell me specifically, that this guy that the demons came out of was 
I've always thought he was a Gentile because Jesus didn't take him along with him, but he told him, no, you stay and you tell people what God did in your life. And I've always thought, why would he do that? I mean, most of the other people in this point, whenever something happens, they kind of follow the entourage and that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to go with Jesus. Mm-hmm. There was a reason why he left him there to talk to people. And, you know, the Gentiles aren't going to come in fully until way down to Cornelius and Acts 10. You know, there's going to be years, 20 to 30 years after the gospels preached in Acts 2. And so I've always thought, you know, I think Jesus left him there as a great testimony for what, for what had happened that day. I mean, he, I mean, everybody knows this guy who, who hasn't been afraid, but they were more afraid in the story, Jason. We didn't get into this with Joe. I'd love to hear what he had to say. Why were they so afraid? If there was anybody to be afraid of, it was this crazy demoniac with over 2,000 demons in him. They were more afraid when the demons were cast out because it says they came and they heard what happened and they were afraid. Well, because they were in the presence of God. It goes back to what we were talking about in the last podcast. And don't get the wrong. And they asked Jesus to leave. Yeah. And don't get the wrong idea about, you know, groups of people do rise up and do atrocities. You know, we all know what happened, you know, with the, with Hitler and the Germans and the, you know, they're murdering millions of people, the Jews that we're even talking about. But a lot of people uh, drop their atheistic views when that happened because they deemed that people could not be that evil without some kind of evil forces in there. And I agree with that. Yeah. When you start thinking about how evil shows itself, and even you look in the world today, even you see it on the streets where people just have random acts of violence and all. Yep. I mean, don't close your your mind to the presence of evil. And I, I love what Dr. Joe said in the in the overtime about, you know, we respect it. We, we're not looking at it as a clown or yeah. or something we're just laughing about and we're going to dress up, you know. And and he, he talks about it more extensively in the book. That's the red suit and the, you know, the forked tail and the pitchfork. And that's all the sort of commercialization and, yeah. and like almost clown-like yeah, and he brought up that spiritual song about, you know, we're rolling the gospel chariot along. Which we talked about that before. Yeah, well, I, I've always hated that, you know, and you, you run right over the devil, you know, and it's just, it just makes it, when you look at real life and uh, the lying and the murdering and the altar of the thinking and the futility that we read in Ephesians 4, look, we're in a spiritual war. Yeah. And you read these stories like this, and I know it's hard to learn and understand all the details and... If the Lord wanted us to know exactly what was going to transpire and how this all works, he would have laid it out there for us. But there's no doubt that there is an evil presence, and there's no doubt that Jesus is victorious and has an authority over it. I mean, that is us as human beings, our best weapon. Right. So we, res- we, we, we respect that, and we take comfort in it. So a couple of things before we go to break. One is, I'll mention the book again, Seeing the Unseen, Joe Beam, uh, it's it's a fantastic it's a it's a you know detailed study but it's not written at a level that you can't grab it but he does do, do a really good job with all of spiritual warfare and and including uh, the story that we've been talking about in Luke chapter 8 is in there and also marriagehelper.com is is where you go for the marriage work they're doing which is incredible and we talked about that on the last podcast. I think one of the reasons why and we talked about this with Joe, that it, that his stuff is so good. He hasn't written a lot of books, but the ones he's written are very, very good and very, very personal. And I think that's part of his success is because of his own life and his own overcoming uh, and what happened to him. And, and he goes into that in his books, which I think is powerful. In, in that vein, so we got a, a guest on today, another guest. Uh, on our podcast. And uh, I think practicality and story go along with this guy perfectly well. And this, a lot of you have been asking me because I've gotten several emails over the last year. Uh, when are you going to have Burley on? Because we talk about Burley quite a bit on the podcast. He's one of our entourage uh, that's here. But other than I think one picture of him going in front of a deer cam where he looked like Sasquatch out in the woods. We've never seen Burley, so we're going to get actually get a look and a conversation with Burley because I think in this vein and context of talking about spiritual warfare, his story and how he came to Christ is, is pretty amazing, 
and, and continuing what he does as well. So we're going to take a break. We come back on the other side of the break. Uh, we're going to let Unashamed Nation uh, meet Burley and hear his story. So uh, one of our sponsors, Barrel Buddy, uh, we, we love what these guys do. They're a Christian company. They're a small business. And uh, Jace, they're a lot like us. They just they saw a need while they were hunting and came up with a product, a product that you have there in front of you. Yeah, it was quite clever because, you know, most of the time when you're cleaning your gun, it's not something that you look forward to. So they're like, well, let's give everybody a buddy to <laughs> help right. them do this. Who doesn't like a buddy, Al? When it comes to hunting, who doesn't need a buddy? Uh, and, and they thought of it the right way, the barrel buddy. Uh, the old days, uh, when I used to clean my barrels out, I do with the patches. The problem is they don't really make the full contact with the bore of your gun. Uh, they're, they're hard to pick up and deal with. Uh, same thing with the bore snake. I mean, it wouldn't already go through my gun. So they've come up with a great process in these polymers. Uh, they go through your barrel. They pick up everything that's on there. You know your gun is clean. All you got to do is look at it. Uh, you could have, you don't have to wonder about it. So, uh, check these guys out. They got a great product. They're a great company, great guys, uh, and do a really good job. Barrelbuddy.com is where you go. B A R R E L buddy, barrelbuddy.com. Check them out. So welcome back to Unashamed. Uh, Burley, welcome to the lair. Good to be here. This is actually your old bedroom. It is. Y'all ran <laughs> you, me out. You were the here. only one that lived here for like a hunting season uh, over several seasons. So you actually lived in this space. I kind of homesteaded this place and I got run out. We ran him out so we could build a podcast studio. Or as, or as Phil's always said, Burley. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of funny stories involving you, which I'm not sure why that is. Uh, and look, I'll I'll give you some breaking news here. Burley actually used to be my boss. I did. You remember that? And, and Willie. And Willie. I hadn't heard that. Where, where? Oh, I worked for Burley. I was where? Here in town. I mean, at, back when we had no money, and uh, I was trying to find myself and figure out what I was going to do. I'm not sure really how we got hooked up. Uh, well, it was we were roofing. Yeah, that's what we were doing. After the big hailstorm. Okay. I just obeyed the gospel. Yeah. That's what it was. Running around with Kurt Ryder. I had a roofing business going on. Because you were a construction guy. You're a carpenter. I mean, Burley can do anything. The thing about Burley is the man is a jack of all trades. I mean, he, he could all, you could always build stuff and do stuff. None of us can ever well, do Well, the it. reason you're here now, because you moved to Colorado. How long ago did you move to Colorado? 18 years ago. Well, it seemed like you never left because well, you really didn't. I didn't. I just come back every year and go duck hunting. <laughs> So Burley has this, we have this weird relationship. I'm the guest that never left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that explains most of the children in our family. So he was raised here. Uh, you were brought to the Lord, which we'll get into that later. So you move away because you found, uh, you know, your wife is spectacular. We love Miss Rose. A rose among thorns. She is. She, she is my dream woman. She's yep. amazing. And it testifies to the evidence of God that she said yes. <laughs> so <laughs> she, she was young. I could say the same about you. Well, people do. That's why we have this in common. Maybe that's why I took a job with you. That's it. But you came. I did not know that you and Willie weren't for Bernie. This is this is breaking news to me. And I'm the family historian. Somehow this slipped by me. I never knew. I'm this. very appreciative of it because it it showed. We all me, worked for Mac too at some point. Yeah, it except for Jay. It showed me in life that I need to do something else besides this. Oh, that's it what made I made me appreciate right. yeah. future jobs. I put you on the right track to get out of the construction business. Yeah, it oh, was man. it was rough. It was a rough job. Roofing in Louisiana, especially in the summer. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I watch guys that do it, and I think, man, you talking about rough? You get up on top of that hot roof, and because it's hotter there than any other place, and you got that yeah. that, that stuff that they that heat stuff that holds. But up I, heat. well, let me finish though the arrangement. With. So you moved to Colorado, but you've always duck hunted with us. Uh, because your dad did. And so all of a sudden you just, I don't know how you made that arrangement with uh, your wife, but you, you basically come here for what, three months? Three months. Three months every year. So, which I think there's a couple that my theory is, is that Miss Rose is like, <laughs> 
I need a break. <laughs> she's happy to see me go. No, yeah. No, she she she's wants to see me go. Yeah, yeah. But then she's happy, happy when, to I when you come home. Yeah. No, Rose is great and uh she she, she definitely have talked to her. She's definitely like, yeah, y'all y'all keep Burley down there. And the reason you're here now is because you're building a duck blind. We we, we had a problem that developed last year in duck season, which was our best spot for the ducks turned out to be where we have the worst blind. And it's mainly, you know, uh, Phil had an idea that we, was, we were going to put a pit blind in the woods and hunt this spot. But the beavers tried to build a house there and the mud got in there because it was, this pit was under the ground and it's real tight. And the older everyone is getting, I'm not going to mention any names, <laughs> but it literally become impossible to sit in this blind and be comfortable. 32 inches is how wide that is. Yeah, 32 inches. That's, that's Just yes, think that's, about some that. Some of us are wider. <laughs> so when you buy a pair of blue jeans, do they still have the little waist uh, size? They do. Well, there's we got 32. <laughs> 32 been a while since we've been. I'm probably the only person that's still wearing a 32. Well, Dad is again now, so... 32. Blind, back down there. The blind saved us for a good, a good hole because the duck started moving up there to, to go down. It's about a, probably about a 10 acre opening in the woods. Over there right now, if you drove up next to it and looked, it's beautiful. It, uh, it's one of the most beautiful birds on the planet. Today. Yeah, 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 I mean, he did. I, I was going through those earlier. It looks beautiful. That whole thing is, is, it's a smart weed. Smart weed. Oh, it's beautiful. Pink, pink smart weed. You got uh, pink, uh, and then you got the white. But there, that's this is all pink. So uh, that's it, it's really, really the best duck food you could have. Well, it's right there in the middle of this thing. So Burl's trying to lift us slightly a little higher than standing in the little bit of water. But as far as comfort and all, we have more comfortable blinds. But I wouldn't have done what they're now doing. Well, here we go. See, this has been a three-year <laughs> argument. Burl's doing it. Burl's at the head of it. So, but Phil, every every they're, time they're I had to wait until Dad retired from the uh, blind. Well, Phil's going to defend his blinds to the death, and we we've figured that out. <laughs> but the problem is when the it scout as well. The scout says we need to go hunt there, which I'm the scout. Yep. And and. Phil's defending this blind, but when we're here in practical conversations in duck season, no one will pick to go to that spot because it's so uncomfortable. But when they do, they kill more ducks. There's been a lot of ducks killed there. I, I Very can speak good. to that myself. Yeah. It's but like, this it's one like, will be, this is more comfort. We are getting a little age now. So the, du the duckman crew is getting older and some of us wider. And 32 yep. inches. So. <laughs> well, and this blind didn't have a roof. You know, it will now. Oh, I remember. So, I mean, we, so if you want, if it's raining. We'll, we'll be able to hunt it when the water gets a little higher. We've been going underwater, just had to be standing there in hip boots. But now it's be up about another three foot. So uh, about, about maybe two foot off the ground. Yep. So okay. Burley br had brought that to the operation the ability to be able to construct things which was helpful yeah that was his end his, yeah his, and, he but came also, to the lord and he can build duck blinds which is very useful to what we do so that when burley good. was younger he he bore a a striking resemblance when his hair was dark and his beard was dark to randall tex cobb the old kickboxer yeah remember that dad yeah because we would always say look this randall tex cobb and so that Open the door for Burley to be a part of the early Duckmen video series, mm -hmm. New Christian. And so some of our people are long time back. You remember Duckman 2, Duckman 3, all those early videos. So Burley's on there. And uh, and you always just kind of had that persona. It was kind of the Randall Tex Cobb. That's what you used to call you yep. back in the day. That's what he said. Well, tell us how your dad. You know, yeah, how did he got, wind up got here? You, got you involved, you know, with us because I think mm -hmm. that was really the bridge. I guess it, it was. Dad, he played football at the University of Oklahoma, and he was just a wild man. 
And won a national championship, right? Or two national champions. Two. He was All-American. He was classic what? All-American. Yeah. He was there when they won 47 straight. They only lost one game his senior year. Who Notre was that Dame. old coach at that time? Wilkerson. Bud Wilkerson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A legend. Yeah. So that was just a wild, you know, whiskey-drinking, woman-chasing, barroom-brawling football player. He met my mom at a bar, knocked her up, married her. Here along comes my little sister, big sister. And then me. Mm-hmm. Well, he was uh, still gambling and fighting and drinking and married to my mom. And she said, it's either my way or the highway. <laughs> <laughs> Something's got to <laughs> His dad was an alcoholic. And, and, but his mother, you know, bless her heart, my grandma, she was going to church. And the only thing he knew to do was go to church with grandma. Now, was this still in Oklahoma? This was still in Oklahoma. Okay. So he sat down with the preacher, old Weldon Flanagan. Shared the gospel with him, baptized him, and then he started taking my little sister to church. Well, Mama stayed home with me watching him because she didn't trust him because he's lying, sneaking around, gambling, drinking, you know. She wanted to see if it was real. I would imagine about three months passed, and she got me and brought me, and she sat down with the same preacher, shared the gospel. She, she was baptized, and they never looked back three days a week. You know, they're in the church. That's all I remember. Yeah. And uh, when when Phil showed up in about 76, maybe, with, with, with y'all, little ragtag family. Yeah, with his conversion. So so what what got him to West Monroe? I don't know that I've ever, ever asked you that. Well. Just business or? He was he was selling tire. He's a salesman. He runned his mouth. You know, yeah. he can sell anything. He's great. He'd look you right now and sell you a used car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Big an easy boy. thing to do. So he wanted to start the furniture mart, Alton Howard. Okay. He he got him to come and kind of join up with him. And Gibson's was next door and Piggly Wiggly. And, oh, yeah. And Gibson's. We had a lot of business owners in our church. Into Howard yeah. Brothers, you know. Right. And then, of course, Howard Brothers, you know, turned into Walmart eventually. But so, so we came and I was in the second grade and, you know, when I was about in the 10th grade, you showed up at the church building where me and my family was sitting. And of course, we didn't know what to do with you. He was the first alcoholic we had come up and admit it, <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> right out of the world. But you found my daddy, big boy and Tommy Powell and a few others who came out of the same lifestyle and you saw that it could be done. So... The ironic part is my dad mentored Phil. Yep. But I wouldn't listen to my dad because, you know, I didn't believe what he said, you know. Yeah. I thought he was the dumbest man on the planet. Like, mm. And then Phil can ment- mentored me, you know, 10 years later when I was ready to come to the Lord. I remember when I got out of college playing football at OU, we went up to Moss Lake. We got in a big cypress tree blind, and we spent a weekend up there. And I don't remember you preaching to me, but I do remember you loving me. And so he earned that right to speak into my life 10 years later when I was ready. Yep. And, uh, of course, Dad, you know, he, he hunted and fished. You know, y'all did a lot of stuff together, a lot of tales. So we are super excited uh, to tell you about a new podcast uh, that's uh that's begun. It's called Refocus uh, with Jim Daly, and uh, Jim is the uh, the president of Focus on the Family, a great group that's been around for over forty years. Uh, good friends of ours, uh, just has done great work in marriage, uh, families, children, uh, how to raise your kids. Lisa and I have partnered with him uh, for a couple of our books uh, as well. This new podcast, Refocus with Jim Daly, uh, is going to deal with culture. Uh, politics, uh, but also sharing your faith uh, in these days that are kind of crazy and wild. Uh, Dad, I think you and I are going to appear on a future podcast uh, with Jim, so I'm excited about that to talk about the movie and other things. So we want you to check them out, the Refocus podcast with Jim Daly. Uh, You can get it on uh, Spotify or Apple or anywhere else that you listen to your podcast. So check them out, Refocus with Jim Daly. Oh yeah, the, I think the most memorable one was the when he was trying to get in down here, 
and he brought the ham, a big ham, because he knew he couldn't just show up and ask go duck hunting. No one comes empty-handed. Right. Yeah. Just think about so. it. Five o'clock in the morning, knock on the door, I open the door, and his daddy was standing there. With a with a ham under yeah, his yeah. arm. He came early. I said, what, what's, he, what's he got here? <laughs> he said, I said, I want a duck hunt with y'all, and I got a whole ham with me. I said, well, come on in. <laughs> well, the next morning at 5 o'clock. He's a salesman. Yeah. Next morning at 5 o'clock, I opened the door. He was standing there with another ham. <laughs> I said, let's go duck hunting. Well, three days later, knock on the door. He's standing there with another ham. <laughs> I said, "I said, big boy, let, let me explain something to you. I like the ham, but get off the ham. <laughs> <laughs> Bring something else. We need some variety. Well, uh, <laughs> I done got burnt out on that ham. I said, hey, you can go. You don't have to have a ham. His mind was, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Well, it's so funny now because Burley is in charge. He brings, he got that from his yeah, dad. Snacks Even to this day. He still does it. He always has a bucket of snacks and foods and daddy buns. But you have a lot better selection. Yeah, I, I mix it up a little bit. I learned yeah, Burl, a, going down, down the line, if somebody forgot their coffee or something, you know, or some grub, Burl, Burl was your man. He had canned sardines, little snacks, little paper things, you know, Twinkies. He had all kind of stuff, <laughs> always. Well, so, you know, among duck hunters, that's an important guy. Well, yeah, because you get out there, you're hungry, you know. And, you know, you need something. So, so Burley, your dad, I don't know, I think I've told you this story before, but he, he had a huge impact on me because when Jason and I went to preaching school and then I wound up working for the church, and I'd never really done anything else before. And so he'd come up and spend time with me and just, you know, visit and talk a lot about it. And then he, he knew we didn't have any money, and especially we were just starting out in ministry. And now he was doing pretty well in the insurance business by this yeah. point. And, you know, he, he so he set us, me and Lisa, up with a life insurance policy, and he paid it for us. Well, through all of you that. Know, you know, I mean, like he did, he offered, not only did he set it up, but he said, and I'm going to pay for it for you as my gift to you mm-hmm. for making a decision to yeah, go into Burrow full-time went ministry. went through the, the, the stage of carpentry and roofing and all that, but he also went to nursing school. And I know it sounds funny because people be looking here, you know, but this man right here is a registered nurse. And I've long said, if you're you're in a coma, they put you to sleep, and you know, for operation and they open their eyes with Burl standing over you like that. It's that ah, you think you're going to hell. See, he has that look as a registered nurse standing over the patient, but they thinking. What do they say? Because you're a travel nurse now. What do they say when you come in? Do you get a few strange looks from? Uh, uh, I've been sent out of the room before, just on sight. You know? <laughs> but once they once they know me, they love me. Yeah. But I think I look more like maybe the Archangel Michael than Lucifer himself. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Well, we we just were talking about that the last couple of podcasts. That is amazing that you can find a job looking the way you do in that well field. Say the same. <laughs> looking around the table. That's right. Where do you think the look came from? Well, most people listen to this podcast because you you know I have a face for radio. Which is kind of funny. No, yeah, Burley, again, he continues on that. So I want to talk about your conversion itself. Uh, Before we do that, let's take a break. So what I remember, Burley, was when you you mentioned that 10-year period, you went off, you kind of were like me, you spent some time in the world trying to figure things out, and that, of course, becomes a dead end. And when you came back... um, I guess you were just out of college or just around college age, but you showed up with this uh, little guy that he's still around. He's called Lil B. Mm -hmm. He's about, he's a miniature person. He's very small. And uh, his name is Brad. We used to call him Lil B. And it was Burley and Little B. Whatever happened to him? He's around. He's around. He's up there. He's in that Duck Commander Bible, one of his, his stories. His story. You know? So so the first time I really met, I mean, we kind of were around each other, but then you were gone for a while. So when you came back, the my first memory of you was being with Lil B. And so you, y'all pulled up together. And I guess somebody sent you out to talk to Dad or something. I don't know. But, but tell a little bit of the story about 
how you wind up with you were kind of the original Mutt and Jeff because you're a big man. He's a little bitty guy, but y'all well, ran together. Well, before you do, I met uh, Brad in West at Westboro High School, and uh, the only reason I remember him is because he was in trouble all the time. Yeah, and I remember the night that you brought him down to Phil's house, and I was there when he walked in the door. Because at this stage of my life, I didn't realize that anyone really, you know, God can reach anyone. I mean, we're in this story in Luke 8 with Jesus repairing a guy who's got a legion of demons. Yeah. But I remember looking at my dad saying, this guy, he ain't going to do it. (laughs) Let me just tell you. He's too. too He was in so much trouble. And just such a foul mouth, and just off the charts at high school. He was just everyone knew who he was. Well, he's kind of had the little man syndrome because he was a little guy, so he kind of made up for it by having a rooster attitude. Like you know, right. that's yeah. kind of. So I didn't know if you knew that, but I was going to remind you that oh, I knew that, it. that I had to repent <laughs> after because then you can tell the story. But yeah, well, you have worldly friends. Yep, and it's because they they got something that you want. Mm. Well, he had good weed. So he was my buddy, you know. So we, we would go to the bars together. And he, I would tell everybody, I said, that little dude there, he's my bodyguard. Don't mess with me or he's going to, you know. Yeah. Because you're like, what, 6'5", 240? or you were, I mean, you, were, you had been playing college football at OU. You're right. a big guy. And he's, you could put him he's in your pocket. Yeah. You could put him in one of your pockets. But he would go over and start stuff, and then he'd point at me, and he would say, "That's my bodyguard." You know, yeah, and he's like, "Okay." Yeah. So, you know, I promised mom that I'd go to church, and you got to keep your promises to mom. Yeah. So I show up at White's Ferry Road, and I'm in the parking lot, and there's Phil. He says, "What about it, Dane? You know, we've been duck hunting before, you know, and." He he was running with my dad, and he said, let me ask you a question. Do you love God? And I said, well, to myself, what kind of question is that? You know? <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, sure I do. So he, bro- he broke his Bible out, and he read 1 John 5, 3. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. And he said, what about it? You love God? And I said, not according to that, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I said, don't. Get me confused with a hypocrite. I'm only here because I promised mama. Yeah. I said, I'm not even pretending to obey his commands, but I love God. He said, no, you don't. You don't love him. Actually, you hate him. And if you hate him, you're his enemy. Well, I was fisting to fight in the parking lot, but I knew mom wouldn't like that. So, yeah. you know, so that he, made you mad. He probably he... would win. So yeah, it made me mad, but, it, but I believe the Bible and it made me think. Mm-hmm. So I started showing up, started coming out to the house, to house church, brought Brad with me. Of course, we smoking pot on the way, you know, and on the way back and just, and, uh, but I had, had been on a decade of debauchery, about a 10 year run. Uh, and I was ready. I mean, I was nowhere to go, but up. Mm-hmm. It always takes a train wreck to get your attention. And I, I was there. So, uh, yeah, the little guy, what was his name? Little B. Brad. Yeah, Brad. He said, finally, after they left one night, he said, instead of breaking out the weed and smoking it, they threw it out, threw the, it out the window. Threw it out the window, kept going. Yep. That, was the, that was the sign. Yep. And, and both y'all came around around the same time, right? I mean, you kind of both made that decision. We did. I had a 12-year-old conversion, kind of like you did. You know, I was baptized. It didn't take. Yeah, me too. And uh, when I was 29, you know, I, I kept hearing people hear the gospel and coming to them. And life's changing. And I hung, out, hung around for three months before I could finally figure out that that didn't take. And I didn't have God's spirit because I had no power. I couldn't quit smoking pot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one day we were coming back from Alexandria. And, you know, we were doing a little house church down there, and I, I was a prideful man, you know, like most people. And I, I said, Phil, I got a good friend of mine. He was 12 when he was baptized, and now he's trying to, you know, get it get it on. And and just don't know if that baptism took or not, you know. No power, no Holy Spirit. I said, what do you think about that guy? And, and 
of course, I was talking about myself, but I couldn't even. <laughs> yeah, say you it. were disguising it. Yeah. Bill said, "Bertie, you, you son, you need to, you need to be baptized." You know, I said, "Well, you know, there's a pothole right up there. Let's stop." He said, "Calm down. <laughs> yeah. Come down to the house tomorrow. We'll we'll look at the verses, write them down. You'll have no doubt. Bring you a change of clothes." And that was April twenty seventh, nineteen eighty nine. Wow. 89. Good yep. night. And 99, so 2009. Don't start doing the math. It's going to make it. I was, 30, I had just 33. graduated high school two years. 33. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I was, I was, uh, I had just got married, started working for the church. So, Bertie, you were a part of that era then when we were going down to Alec. Right. And the riders and all that. So, you mentioned them earlier. Exactly. It's really interesting because it was a, a group of people, a bunch of them kind of came to Christ at the same time, but they were all about an hour and a half from here. And so it was where they all lived. And uh, But they would come up on Sundays and meet with us, and then we would drive down there. But then they were bringing all their friends mm-hmm. into a house church-type setting. Right. And so we were leading a lot of people to Christ. There's after. still quite a few. Who's oh, yeah, they're all great. Most one of them was here the other day, was it? What yeah, was it? Kurt was here the other yeah. day. Yeah, Kurt, yeah. So that was an interesting and fun era because, you know, everything was – we were just – Hitting people. I mean, what what a great time to come into Christ. Oh yeah, you know when all that was going we on. We had our own recovery group. We didn't need to celebrate recovery because right. we had our own little. Mm-hmm. That's right. Recovery group. That's right. We and which which ultimately, by the way, and anybody in CR, I'll tell you this: if Jesus isn't the in charge of your recovery, then you're in the wrong business because mm-hmm. he has to be the one. You got to have people. Yeah. by your side. Exactly. But it's even the principle when Jesus, you know, we were we're studying Luke when he his. Mother and brothers had showed up because they thought he was gone crazy because he's forgiving people of their sins. And and he was giving you that picture of what the family of God is. And it is in homes. You know, I, I tell people all the time, you rarely find, you know, Jesus in, in the church building. Mm-hmm. It, it's usually through those relationships and the conversations that happen and just like you know, my dad was telling you, come down to the house, right? And and it evolves because it's way harder to live for Jesus on the way to the house and on the way to the church building and out in the world. And even in that business we had, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I, I think I was going to the school. Uh, yeah, right, in eighty nine, we went to right, eighty eight yeah, to right in that time, which maybe that roofing drove me to the school of uh, preaching, the yeah. seminary. Yeah, because boy, yeah. <laughs> crawfishing and roofing will send you. But right I to... just remember seeing you as a young brother, and even though you were older than me, I was, I was older in the faith. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, I just remember that day when everything went wrong. You left to try to get a job somewhere you know, another roofing job and all your workers, they, which I was a, the destruction crew, so it wasn't my fault, but they had put, we we had roofed the house like backwards. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's like all the shingles were upside down. Hang on, let's take a break. And so when Bernie, out of all the things you want to do backwards, roofing is not one of them. Yeah, no. You keep water out of that. Put the shingles on backwards. <laughs> and Burley showed up, and it and I was the only one there for some reason. And he, it was it was a fit of rage. <laughs> me you, me with a shovel. I don't know if you remember that, but you were almost it. You know, it reminds me of this superhuman strength of of some kind of demon coming up. Because he was taking two bundles at a time, which those things are heavy. heavy yeah. And he was just throwing them across the ri- and just ripping it off. Like, I was like, this guy is so mad, and he's such a big fella that I'm not – this may be the old man returning. I don't know if you remember that. It was the only time, and you were using four-letter word. I mean, you were – Kind of, sort of. I don't Apoplectic. You, you just lost it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the old me trying to come back. Well, right. it was, but it led to a good conversation. I mean, you know, because yeah. at the end of the day, it wasn't because I said anything. You just kind of stopped. I don't know if you remember the details, and you're like, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be this way. Right. And uh, it, but 
Because it was clearly under, I mean, I don't know what that cost you, but it pretty much, you lost money on that because we had to go buy the, oh, you gotta do it, the not thing only did again. we do it upside down, it ruined everything. And then he had to go, had to do it again, right. basically. So I don't know, Burley, if it's because of your own conversion experiences or what, but one thing I've noticed about you just in our kingdom work together, because even though you moved away, you've always still been a part of us, as we described earlier. Mm -hmm. You've always had an ability uh, to talk to anybody. We had a guy in here a couple of days ago that was around, and he told us his story. And you were one who just, you saw him, you noticed, and you impacted. And that's happened a lot through the years. So you think that's just something, is it because of your own past and being delivered or what gives you that? Because not a, a lot of people don't look at people as an opportunity to then help them and show them Jesus. A lot of people avoid people or whatever, you know, but you have that ability and you always have. And even some of the tougher cases, you know, some of the ones that are a little bit, they're, they're struggling with some, you know, either demons or, you know, their own sinfulness, but you've always had an ability to bring calm into that situation. I've noticed just in everybody, all of us have a role here, but that seems to be one of yours. Where do you think that comes from? I mean, why do you have that? Well, if, if you've been down that road, <clears throat> you know, all things happen for the good for those who love the Lord. I heard Mac Owen say one time, every, every hurt, every habit, every hang up, that you overcome needs to become a ministry to help others. And you do that with families with children with special needs and yep. you and Lisa with marriage, marriage and, yep. and pro-life and yep. all that. And so, you know, if you've, if you've been down that road, you can have some empathy, some sympathy for those people. But, you know, I've seen him do it over and over and over. So, yeah. Well, all of us need to remember what Paul said to the Corinthians, uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, which we all are, we all talk about our journeys for our faith from years past. He's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, and this is the text, the words, not counting men's sins against them. Mm-hmm. He has committed us the message of reconciliation. So although we all struggle, we all make mistakes, the great news is God doesn't count our sins against us. We just get up and keep keep plowing forward. That's right. Yeah, I've thought about before, though. I think your skills of being a nurse— you know, I think you get that one of the, and I've thought about this, I've never shared this with you before, but, you know, we always break down the qualities that the Spirit gives us. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, well, gentle, gentleness is in there. Yeah. Well, when you look at a guy like Burley, I mean, I make a joke all the time that one of the benefits of looking like I do is that I people mm. don't try to mug me. Same here. Oh, you you would be the last person <laughs> on the planet. I mean, number one, because they don't think you have anything, just looking like you do. Right. But two, I mean, who, who's going to take yeah, He's on? a big guy. He's a big guy. And I, lately, I've not seen him without a pistol on his body. Yeah, well, he doesn't need the pistol. So I feel me. better about running with him because our <laughs> yeah. shootout ensues. I always got old barrel to lean back on. But my point is, it it shows you. It's almost that shows you God convicts people in that you know I was so wrong about Brad because I had met him from a distance. Yep. And I was like, no way. And I'm sure people said the same thing about Paul. And then when you see or your me, life, or me, or him, but even in in Burley's case. I mean, his talent is gentleness, yeah. and it shows you that it's a fruit of the Spirit, which is, you know, it's borderline. You're thinking it's almost a miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right. yeah. you know, which it's not. So, uh, Gentleness and patience, I would add in there. I mean, that's the way that you handle yourself early is that, and that's what I see in people. And, you know, people, working with people is, is a messy business, you know, because people are a mess. 
And I think people that have been delivered as a mess do turn that into that message you're talking about. And so I, I think that served you well. And I know it has in the medical side, because that's another case where people are afraid. They're scared. You know, they're sick. Yeah. Something's wrong with them. And, you know, again, a lot of times a doctor or somebody will come in and just, you know, this, this, that, and the other. And they're harsh with these people. They are. But, but you have a way of being gentle. And, I, and I, again, I think it surprises them because they look and they're like, oh, no, this guy. Yeah, but it but That's makes why sense. they love you yeah. once they get to know it you. It makes sense when it's the fruit of the Spirit. Absolutely. So it's like, I remember having that awe. Where Burley works, he, he's the one they call in when they have an irate sure. uh, person in there. He has a calming They're effect. tearing up the hospital room. Right, they call Burl in, and football <laughs> takes over. And I mean, you know, it's well. I mean, physically, you can handle it, which is another reason why nurses, me and nurses, are great, right? Because you—that's a physical job. You're yeah. moving people around. Have you ever have, had a scuffle with them? And yeah, but more times than not, I'm able to spiritually take care of them than yeah. physically. You know, but yep. sometimes yeah. you have to. I remember a couple verses. You know, when you shared the gospel with me, one of the first ones was Romans one sixteen where we get the name of this podcast, I'm Not Ashamed of the Gospel. And when we got done with the with the Bible study, the very last one you shared with me was in uh, Matthew, Matthew 10, 32. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. So I knew that I had to go public with Jesus from the get-go. I couldn't be ashamed of the gospel. And that's one reason I'm so ready to talk to people. But to me, to disown him would mean just keep my mouth shut and don't say nothing. Yeah. My buddies, you know, like Brad came over and, and he said, I got some good weed, you want to smoke it? And I could have said, no, nah, I think I'm just... This stuff's bad for you. I'm just going to quit. And I said, I got something better than that. He said, what you got? Said, <laughs> yeah, better than we. Let's take well, a look. Let's yeah. take a look. I said, I, said, I got Jesus. He's, he's like, he was putting it up. He's like, <laughs> and that's how I acknowledged Jesus. If I just yeah. shut up and said, no, nah, I think I'm just going to quit, you know, yeah. I would have disowned Jesus. And I like that. That's good. And that goes back to the idea of he's not ashamed of us either. Uh, so we're out of time. Burley, it's always a pleasure to have you around. It's great to finally get you on the podcast. we got our overtime segment, so I want to have a little more discussion. One of the things I didn't get to bring up, I want to ask you about Blue, Dad's dog, because we've had many debates on this podcast in the early days, especially about Blue versus other dogs. And so you've got some updates on that. So I want to talk about that, uh, as well as just this idea of what we do together as kingdom workers. So again, mm-hmm. thanks for being on. If you want to follow us over for overtime, it's blazetv.com slash unashamed for more with Burley Jennings. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.